This is Rugga Matrix America. Hey, welcome everybody to the show. This is Alex Goff with RugbyMag.com and we're joined by Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton and we've been We've been spending a lot of time just keeping track of games because there's a lot of big games going on uh, this past weekend. Uh, I, I guess headlined by uh, BYU-Utah, but uh, some would argue Army-Navy is a bigger game, and both of those were very exciting. And uh, one Super League game, which turned out to be a bit of a headliner also. But we're going to get right into it. We've got a bunch of things to talk about, and... Uh, yeah, first of all, uh, Bruce, you got you guys didn't have a game. Nyack's taking the Easter weekend off, but um, uh, you know h- how is uh, your Nyack guys? How are your how are your number one ranked Xavier guys doing too? Yeah, it's a tough number one ranking when uh, when you lose a game. So <laughs> I, I do. I got to say that I, I would have to agree with the game line commenters. How the hell did that happen? How, but, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll quick. I'll say what what happened is we missed it. I mean, we, 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 we had it, we had the result. And then in making the, uh, in making the, the rankings going through some things for some reason, we missed it going back over it and we screwed up. So if, if, uh, we were to do it over again, we'd, we'd probably, uh, move Gonzaga up, up one and Xavier down one. But, um, uh, we, we can't redo it. So we're probably to play devil's advocate. Didn't, hasn't Gonzaga won, uh, the Jesuit, uh, classic the last two years but didn't they finish behind Xavier at the end of the season yeah you see we could we could argue that but and and I suppose I could but you know what I I, I should go with the result we should go with the result I just didn't hey man it's everybody's prerogative I you know at the end of the day you got to win when it counts and and now that they have a it's more like an invitational tournament for the high school teams that and so that uh Kind of is irrelevant since it's an invitational tournament as opposed to a uh, an earn in, and I and I think that that's going to be more prominent as we go forward. And I, I coach a JV high school team at Xavier, and I will say that the quality of the opposition, the amount of opposition, um, the way they play, and and those types of things, I'm very impressed with what is happening in high school rugby, and I think that it's translating into college rugby, which is what will segue. Right now, there are <clears throat> there's a little bit more parity. <laughs> you're seeing it now. Yeah, you you sure are on on both those levels. Uh, one of the things I've noticed recently is that there have been some high profile games between single school teams and prominent U19 club teams. Well, what used to be U19, they're now called high school club, and the big change is that those high school clubs cannot have U19 kids who are graduated from high school who are not in high school on their teams and the single school teams are winning most of these games uh with a with one or two notable exceptions golden gate uh over jesuit being one of them the I, single it's, schools it's are winning very those. difficult it's very difficult for the singles it's very difficult for the uh multi-school teams to get high quality practices in and yes and the single school teams were able to practice and i think that that also with the with the not having college freshmen on the team kind of evens everything out. It, it almost becomes irrelevant whether or not they're a single school team or a multi-school team, although I'm not going to get into that battle. Um, I But I, I would say it is funny. I, I was talking to some of the Xavier kids 
while we were watching a video and we our JV team had actually beaten Gonzaga and and we were and we were speaking about it and I said you know 25 years ago 27 years ago when when me and Tolkien and and Timmy Walsh who I coached with and Joe Sweeney were at Xavier there weren't a there weren't a lot of teams b they weren't particularly well coached and you know you can generally in general you were going to win your games um almost by showing up it's not completely true but you know Highland was still good and and Burlingame and and some of the teams in Northern California were pretty fantastic but other than that, it really wasn't – it really weren't that good. And, I, and as I said to them, I'm like, guys, you know, games that we won in a walk are, are more difficult for you to win now. And, you know, I think the whole thing is just raising the bar on each other. And and I think that they've really – they've done a lot of good stuff in high school rugby that it becomes much more of a challenge for them to be really good players and for them to be a really good team. Much more of a challenge than it ever was for us. I think. Yeah, they, I, I, I think like that's right. I was talking to one of my friends who uh, who's doing um, a youth rugby thing in, in, in Westport, Connecticut, and, and he was a fantastic player, ERU player, and, and, and was a uh, – and we went to high school and graduated together, and we were watching. It was, it was actually the team that Seamus Kelly played on at Xavier, and he's like, my God, these guys would have absolutely annihilated us. I was like, I have to agree. I mean, we definitely would have. They would have beaten the hell out of us. We might have been able to athletically hang with them. They they were just so much better rugby players than we ever could hope to be. Yeah, I know it's a, it's it's exactly right. And you know, one other thing about these rankings, and this this goes to uh, uh, high school rankings, and also to uh, to the college rankings. Uh, you know, a lot of sometimes we miss scores, and especially on the high school thing, we miss scores. And we and and at one point, we'll make the decision. And Pat, you can attest to this. We'll we'll just say, look, let's just go with the rankings. We don't have the scores from such and such a league. Let's just go with what we've got because nobody sent us the information. So you might know, but you will be amazed at the types of things. I and I, I got a stern, sternly worded email last year from somebody saying I was missing out on a team. And I said, well, we don't have any results for you. And he said, well, you go to this website and you'll see them. So I went there and I said – and, and I, I re- emailed him back and said, the information there is two years old. And he said, oh, well, we haven't updated it yet. Well, that, then I don't get the information. So if, if you want us to pay attention, we do need the information. We are not all seeing. We are not all knowing. And we aren't multiple places at once. Um, as much as yeah, it to be. It, it, the big gaps are the ones where we have the score and we, we posted the result. And then we, when it comes to rankings time, we've forgotten. And then the problem is the high school, we don't do it often enough to where, you know, that, that Xavier Gonzaga game was how long ago, Bruce, a month ago, over a month yeah, ago. I mean, it was, it was at the Jesuit in and around St. Patty's yeah. day or, or the year right. or the week before, whatever it was. I mean, the fact of the matter is they won, you made your ranking. It doesn't rot to make your ranking based on, uh, Based on whatever you want. I mean, like I said, I, I, the reason we brought it up is I happen to agree with the guy on game line. Even though I'm a Xavier guy, I, I would have to agree with the guy saying, but it, at the end of the day, you're covering men's D1, men's D1, one double A or D2, whatever the hell you want to call it. Then you're covering men's and women's D2, Super League, men's division one, men's division. I mean, there's a million divisions that you're covering and, it's hard to get that all right. I mean, the there's two. There's actually three: you, Jackie, and and Pat. And and the fact is, 
you and Pat cover the men's game, Jackie covers the women's game. That's pretty tough to do. <laughs> it, it, it's tough to do. I mean, it's, yeah, it's 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 tough. Tough. We're, not, we're not complaining, but it is tough to do. There is a there is a, a few competitions that are actually pretty easy to do uh, to cover, um, although harder than you might think. Uh, and one of them is the international sevens, and we wanted to check in with the USA sevens team, um, which which went to to Hong Kong, and went to Tokyo, and and I thought. Um, you know, just just real briefly, they 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 made the bowl final uh, both times and were in uh, with a shot to win the bowl. They didn't win the bowl, uh, but they they actually moved up in the rankings with the points that they earned, um, and and put in a few games where they looked pretty good and a few games where still some work to do. But it but it certainly looked like Alex Magleby's team a little bit of difference in how they're playing. Uh, and Pat, you caught up with Rocco Mauer who. Wasn't even supposed to be on that trip, but then um, Mako Nufe had a death in the family, and Rocco was called up at the last minute. Um, and uh, you spoke to him just recently. I did, yeah. Rocco is uh, one of the guys who's always gracious with an interview. If you want one, he'll give you one. Um, but he, uh, yeah, he, he really had a breakout performance. He came out in in Hong Kong and uh, scored one try in the tournament. Showed that he had the uh, the gas that you need on the international level. Um, which I think a lot of us probably thought, but he uh, he definitely um, you know displayed it and and then in Tokyo really broke out and and may have been the best player for the USA in Tokyo. You could certainly argue that, and uh, I think that the future is bright when you look at that kid just graduating college and and Maka Nufe. We're going to have some speed for some years if we can keep those guys in the fold. And uh, yep, we talked to him and and you know the funny thing is is Rocco play. I mean he played a Bowling Green, so he didn't play it a bad. He played at a you know a high profile quality program, um, but he hasn't been playing rugby all that long. And really, he made his he made his name at the the college rug, collegiate rugby championship in his first year, a couple of years ago in Columbus. And uh, he's come from there to you know played a little he played with the Chicago Lions this last summer. But he doesn't have a whole lot of um, elite sevens experience. And uh, he went out on the national level and uh, he played really well. And so we talk about that. Well, this is uh, Pat's interview with Rocco Mauer. All right, so this is Pat Clifton here uh, with RugbyMag.com talking with Rocco Maurer. Um, Seven Eagle just got back from uh, Hong Kong and Tokyo. How uh, how you doing, Rocco? Good. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, everything is going great. Just, uh, you know, still pretty. Uh, had some ups and downs uh, during the tournament. It was really exciting, obviously, for my first one. And uh, just enjoying my time with my family for Easter. And then really looking forward to getting back with the guys to prepare for London and uh, Glasgow. Yeah, tell me. I mean, you you are a injury replacement to come into Hong Kong. Um, you make uh, you make a little a few waves in Hong Kong, get a couple starts, score a try, uh, make a nice break against South Africa to set up another try. What was um, what was it like? You got your first taste. Yeah, um, I really wasn't sure what to expect. Obviously, because I hadn't you know played on that level now, and um, just uh, the crowd there was so loud, and you know I, I wasn't sure what to expect. But um, now that I've played a little bit. I know I can uh, obviously contribute a lot to the team, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to getting back to practicing with the guys and seeing what we can do in London, Scotland. Um, you got, you know, everybody who's seen you play in America knows you're pretty darn fast, but now we've seen you measured up against some of the the fastest guys on the circuit, um, the fastest guys, in, supposedly the fastest guys in the world. So, um, you know, were they faster than you thought, slower than you thought? What was your take on? 
kind of the speed on the edge that he had to match up with. I know one time looked like you tried to turn the the corner on Collins and Jarrah of Kenya, and he caught you pretty quick. Were you surprised by the speed of those of those guys, or were you uh, uh, was that what you expected? Uh, um, no, that's pretty much what I expected. Actually, uh, I think my speed measures up pretty close to some of the fastest guys out there. Like, um, you know, I played against Injira, and you know, obviously, coach's big point was me for backing myself and. I, you know, sometimes you got to round the corner and, you know, you're going to go against some fast guys and you might not make every single break. But if I back myself, you know, every single time, eight out of ten times, you know, I feel like I can get around anyone. So, you know, maybe with, you know, a little more space here and there, I, you know, I can make breaks. But as far as the speed's concerned, I think I'm right up there with some of the fastest guys. And, you know, I'll just uh, – I'm just going to keep backing myself in the future and, um, you know, to score and tries. But – as far as any uh, fastest guys, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I have no problem with it. What's, you know, did the game slow down for you from, from Hong Kong to Tokyo? Um, were you a little bit more comfortable uh, in Japan just having played a little bit more? You obviously got some more starts in Japan, scored a couple more tries. Um, you looked more comfortable, were you? Yeah, I was more comfortable. To, um, to be honest, like Coach Mags pulled me aside after Hong Kong and just gave me a really good like talking to and really just had a lot of confidence in me to back myself and it kind of you know I went from being anxious to really just positive about each game and I just you know he his uh you know talk to me really helped me uh relax for Tokyo and you know I, I think it showed quite a bit on the field just you know where I was going to be and you know attacking basically and just yeah a lot of it was from you know him, him really being positive with me so I kind of got to give him a little, yeah, a lot of credit for that, for, you know, getting me to really settle down and, you know, understand that I can, you know, really do a lot of damage uh, for the team. You know, you were one of the, the, for those who listening may or may not know, you were one of the guys that kind of got, you were a contracted player, um, but you got left behind in the first couple of tournaments. Um, and I know that that probably didn't sit well with you. I've talked to you about it before. Um, but do you feel like you've done enough now or, or in the process of proving that you're a, you're in every tournament selection? Um, I yeah, I'm just, you know, getting selected. I'm not going to ever put my head down or stop, you know, working like I'm a professional and I'm going to keep working. I just, um, every time I go out there, I'm going to work no matter what. So I always have the attitude that, you know, next camp I still need to show, you know, what I can do and I need to continue it, you know, in the future because just because I didn't, you know, get it one tournament doesn't, secure me a spot and anything like that and even if I'm playing in the future I don't know what younger guy you know might come up after that so I, I'm always going to think that my you know spot's going to be up for grabs no matter what if I even get the spot you know if I start getting the spot consistently or what you know I'm just I'm a worker so I'm not going to ever take it for granted like that and I don't think right now I have a spot locked whatsoever so I'm just ready to get back to camp and, you know, put my head down and start getting to work with the boys. Um, what are the things that, whether it's Alex or Andy Katoa or Davey Williams or any of the coaches, what are the things that they would like to see you work on that they tell you that you, the areas where you need some improvement? I got better in a couple of aspects in Tokyo, but some in Hong Kong, but some aspects I fell off of it. So my confidence is definitely up after Hong Kong and Tokyo, but a couple of things that fell off that I need to work on is definitely – my what we like repeated speed fitness. So I need to be able to, you know, burn some sixty meter runs back to back to back because 
once I go to, you know, I might be tired, and that, that has actually a little bit of an effect on my defense. So I definitely want to get my uh, one-on-one tackling a lot more physical, and uh, I definitely like to just get my maybe my fitness levels a bit more up to the standard that some of the other guys are. Like uh, Dan Norton's for a wing is just extremely fit, and, uh, you know, a lot of other guys on the circuit are, you know, a bit more fit. So I definitely need to work a bit in that area too. So I would say physicality and uh, defense, and then just, uh, I'd say, a little bit more uh, repeated speed fitness. All right, Rocco. Hey, I appreciate it. Uh, congrats on a good tournament. Good debut uh, over in Asia. Good luck uh, coming up. Thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, excited for uh, London's Colin. Just can't wait to get back to work. Okay, well, that, that was Rocco Maurer. And, you know, you, Pat, you mentioned him breaking out at the CRC uh, in Columbus in in. 2010 and I remember actually he had a terrific first day and I'm going up to my room in the hotel and he's actually on the same floor and he's out in the hallway on the phone and I basically stood there and made him hang up the phone so I could interview him. He is very gracious. He's a he's a a, a, a good young player and and a, a good interview. Uh, one of the things that struck me here about the interview was and 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 if you are a sevens player who th- you think you're an elite level sevens player, he spelled it out for you. 160-yard run, 260-yard runs, those are not good enough. You have to be able to do three, four, five, six of them in a game. You cannot be one and done. And there are a lot of players that you hear about or you see and say, wow, that guy's great. And you ask a major coach, what about this guy? And he said, he's good for one run in a game. And then there's nothing else. So he recognizes that. Rocco uh, recognizes that, and he knows he's got to work on that because he, we need him more than just once. The other thing I pull out of it is, um, you know, what he said about Alex Magleby, and I think that this is our first kind of example of seeing Alex being able to coach somebody up. Um, you know, Rocco wasn't selected, hasn't been selected the entire IRB series, um, hasn't played for the Eagles, if I'm correct, since the Pan Am games, um, all the way back in the fall. Um, you know, and then, so he was one of the few uh, salary or, you know, contracted guys that stayed back for the, the first couple of tournaments this year. Um, and in, he wasn't supposed to be playing at all. And, uh, so Alex says, well, we're going to put you in there. You're the best that we have left and do your best. And then after he does well enough in Hong Kong, he gave him a vote of confidence and, and really instilled in him that he believed in, in his capabilities and to go out there and, and, and have confidence in his own capabilities. I think that's, that's a good sign that, um, you know, Alex, clearly and 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 Rocco admits it here kind of helped coach him up and I think that's uh I don't want to make too much of it but I think that's a good sign of Alex Magleby as a head coach too well you know I I think that's that's great you know the 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 bad play I think one of the 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 bad plays from Maurer was a was a play of inaction about when he had the ball in space in one game and just didn't really do anything he sort of dilly-dallied and ended up getting caught um and that's that's where Magleby is saying we we have faith in you. You've got to have faith in you. Interestingly for me, the, his best play was neither. Uh, I, I thought he was shaky on defense at times. Um, offensively, he's exciting. I, I thought it was neither an offensive play nor a tackle. That was his my favorite play. It was it was in the bowl final against France. They had a kick. The French were chasing it down and looked like they were going to score. And it was Maurer who went all the way down to disrupt that play. He didn't really tackle the player, but he stopped him from picking it up. And then Mike Palafau came in, picked the ball up and countered. And eventually the USA scored. Now they lost that game, but they lost it by only a try. Had they given up that 
try there, it would have been uh, very different. So, so uh, you know, I was, I was happy to see that kind of play. That kind of uh, you know, it, it shows a lot of guts uh, to do that sort of thing. Um, Bruce, uh, did you see much of those games? What did, what did you think about uh, you know the team and the approach? I mean, it, it's difficult to tell the difference in the approach. In you got to remember that Mags and Mags and, and Caravelli are very close friends, and and in many ways, when you know, when Max came out of school and played for the AC, he was playing for Caravelli. Then when he played Eagle Sevens, he was playing for Caravelli. And then when he was the video analyst for Eagle Sevens, he was Al Caravelli's video analyst. So there was a lot of there's a real um, heavy influence, probably both ways, in in that relationship. I think that where we'll really see how Mags puts his mark on this team is going to be in the tournaments in May in the UK. And I think that because that'll give him enough time to work with his players and, and, and put his Alex Magleby stamp on it. I think that the freshness of the coach made, made things maybe go and, 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 and they won some games and they were tight games and, and, um, we still, I think, need to see them defeating teams that are are uh, serious sevens contenders, and, like they had been in a couple of years ago. So, and I think that that's what we're kind of waiting for. I, I hey, love to see the victories, but I, I think that there needs to be a little bit more decisive. I mean, that could have happened. They lost some close games prior, that turned into close wins. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put that down to a coaching change just yeah. yet. Not yeah, going to do that just yet, um, and 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 I and I think that they're, you know, they would both root for each other to do well. I, th- you know, the, one of the things Mags talks about them engaging the the defense uh, more, and and certainly they did that, and you saw that. So well, that, like that a- that's something that that's actually a, a part of sevens that that I I happen to agree with. And I, yeah. I think it one of the first places that that was seen was when Argentina won the USA sevens a few years ago. Yeah, they they played a very direct style off. You know, it was almost like 15s on a sevens field. I'm not going to go that far, but it was to me, it was probably the most entertaining sevens I'd seen in in quite a while. And I think a, a lot more teams are going that way. And, and that's kind of good. Yeah. And uh, and you can you could see someone like Andrew Duratalo was essentially told when you're you when you're unsure about what's going on, uh, put your head down and go straight. And suck in some defenders, and certainly he he responded for that. And um, and I think Nuupunamata, I I thought he it was almost a different player. I thought he he, he given given that uh, license to be more direct really worked well for him. Uh, so so we'll we'll see some emotional changes. I also uh, you know what. What I'm curious about is is there's a financial side to things too, and we know that there's there's money involved and 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 budgets are still tight even though there's a little bit of um, Olympic money coming in. Uh, what what and player B who's brought in for a camp and for an assembly? If you pick player B, you you have to pay him a per diem, and your contracted player stays home and is still paid. Whereas if you send the player B home and you pick player A, all you're doing is paying the one 
one amount of money. I'm not going to pay. It's really not that much money, but he's 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 being paid, and that's you're just paying one guy. And I wonder. I, I haven't talked to Magleby about it, but I, I wonder if that's going to be if if that's a consideration for this team going forward. Um, do you basically go with your contracted guys as much as possible? I I I think that if you did go with your contracted guys as much as possible, it would be for the reason that they're contracted because you you see a future in them, not because. You're saving a few dollars here or there, um, but I, if as a, a dues-paying guy, if I saw us making decisions based on how much, on based on the per diems that these guys are getting, I would be pretty livid to find out that was the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's gotta. I mean if that ever happened, I mean when you, when you, when you know if you were really to, to look into, you know, say that say their per diem is, I don't know, say it's a hundred bucks a day, which is I think is is part of about what it is i mean that would be you know in in if you take nigel melville's latest salary that would be three thousand working days for sevens players or or you know if you had 10 guys 300 days a year uh so so you know i i if that if we're making if we're making decisions on that after uh after losing a lawsuit for a few hundred grand and and lord knows what else then uh and then i think that now, I mean, I do think that Roberts should resign anyway. Well, I, th- I, th- I think that those kinds of monies, twenty grand for a resident player or whatever it is, one hundred seventy-five dollars a day. I, th- I think those are actual considerations for for the for the way the budget's going right now. But I th- I think that where you will see that decision, and and I think it's a no-brainer on that stuff. Is obviously like an injury replacement. Somebody gets hurt, who do you go to 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 come in for a second week? You you obviously go to your contracted go players. To your best who player. Are, you go to your best would, yeah. player. The best player is who you go to. That's the only choice. This is international rugby or international sport. You go to the best player. Period in a sentence. And if there's any other thing that we're going to, we're doing a disservice to the team, to the membership, to the coaching staff. To everybody, to the United States Olympic Committee, and if we're making decisions based on that because we have effed up our money over the past six or seven or eight or ten years, and we can't get ourselves out of the hole, then you know, affect change. I, I don't know. What all, right, all right, but but Bruce, that's that. When when has USA Rugby been able to just blindly pick the best players without any other considerations? When? It's, it's not never, a matter of it's never, ever, 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 ever happened. Sorry. It's not, a, it's not a matter of not having any other consideration. It's a matter of making money the consideration. Right. Uh, no, I and understand. That's I, all I'm saying. Okay. I'm I, not saying I that right. people get sick or people get hurt or pe- things happen. But if it's a monetary decision based on, you know, you already got this guy salaried, and, but he's not the best guy, and then that's. And and when you're talking about a hundred bucks a day, you are talking about th- that is completely asinine. Yep, yeah, hundred whole dollars. Uh, we will be right back. We can take a break. Uh, the 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 conclusion on the U.S. sevens team seems to be, and and I think it's a fair conclusion. Saw a little bit of change, and just as it is with the residency situation, the contracting situation, just as it is with the new new coach, uh, the little bit of change is not the be-all and end-all, and we're going to see more. And as Bruce says, uh, the, the London and Glasgow tournaments, you'll see a lot more 
uh, obvious uh, Alex Magleby stamp on the program, and we'll see how they do. We'll be right back on Rugged Matrix America. Hey, everybody. Just taking a break. This is Alex Goff with RugbyMag.com, and we're talking about the USA Sevens Collegiate Rugby Championships, the uh, the College Sevens tournament that uh, helped revolutionize the sport, really, and is coming up in PPL Park just outside of Philadelphia on June 2nd and 3rd. And we are with Trent Fisher, who is the captain of the University of Arizona team. And uh, Trent, you excited about the CRC? Uh, I couldn't be more excited about it. I, uh, I've i been looking forward to it all year. really is a great experience. Uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad you had a, a good time. And, and, and the thing is that Arizona had a, a really strange tournament, in fact, last year, because you were there last year, in that you swept your pool play games, you didn't allow a point, uh, and then kind of got upended in those quarterfinals. We kind of thought you might be going all the way to the final. Um, tell me a little bit about how great it felt on that first day, but also second day was a little bit disappointing for you. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've been thinking about that all year. We uh, we really came out strong the first day. Um, I mean, our, our team was really solid. We, uh, we had great chemistry, and um, that first day was, we were really proud of that. We came out, played, uh, we, we had lots of, we had hard work, great work um, rate, and uh, yeah, our defense was spot on. But then the second day, I guess uh, we we slipped up a bit, and um, Central Washington was, uh, was a great opponent, and uh, that was kind of a tough one to swallow, but. Yeah, Central Washington, actually it was 5 nothing, so their defense was pretty strong too. So you gave up one try in the entire thing, and it turned out to be the one that tripped you up. Uh, aside from that, tell me a little bit about the atmosphere and what is it like to play in a stadium with, uh, you know, on the first day there were almost 11,000 fans there. Yeah, it is a surreal experience. The whole tournament is uh, it's, it's phenomenal how they set it up. I mean, waiting in that tunnel and running out on the field in front of thousands of people really gets your heart rate up. It's an experience like nothing else, and uh, can't wait for this year. Did you ever think you'd be playing rugby on NBC? Never. Never in my wildest dreams that I think I'd be playing on TV, and uh, it's kind of a dream come true for me. Um, uh, I just can't believe how how rugby call it college rugby has escalated to this point and um yeah it's really exciting good now now tell me a little bit about what what is the effect of being in this tournament done for your program on campus or among the alumni or or among your friends even uh it really it's taken uh taken it to the next level i mean um you uh you do get noticed more often and uh alumni really really take notice more and they try and be involved in the program a lot more. Yeah, it's really exciting. Well, Trent Fisher, University of Arizona, you're going to be at the USA 7 CRC June 2nd and 3rd at PPL Park just outside Philadelphia. Uh, Go to USA7CRC.com for information about tickets. And you can also go to wildcatrugby.org for extra special news on the Arizona rugby program. Trent, Thanks a lot, and good luck in Philadelphia. All right, appreciate it, Alex. 
Hey, fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. Okay, we're back on Rugby Matrix American. We talked with Rocco Maurer, who uh, broke through on uh, during the USA 7's Collegiate Rugby Championship. And we just had a little bit of a, uh, a plug there for the CRC uh, that you listened to. Uh, college rugby, well, that's been going on. And we, we wanted to segue out into that. And, and, and my clunky little segue is to mention Rocco. Uh, We've we got a bunch of stuff going on that's just happened. And I guess that... Um, this past weekend with uh, BYU playing Utah, probably the biggest game in in the country so far. Uh, you know, I, I know BYU played uh, St. Mary's, but that was a friendly, so it wasn't a league game. This was one where clearly the two best teams in the West, we think, uh, played in a game that was big rivalry, a lot of fans, things like that. It'll, uh, I'm sure that game's going to be uh, available online, and we'll uh, go to rugbymag.com, and certainly we'll be directing you to where you can see it online when the recorded version is up there. BYU won 38 to 22. Utah did lead a couple of times, and it was 24 22 with about uh, 25 minutes to go, and BYU scored late. Um, so the, the that was one of the many exciting games going on. We've also got Army Navy, uh, Army scoring right at the end of the game to tie it 31-31, and then Will Holder uh, kicking from the touchline to win the game. Um, so first of all, guys, is BYU the best college team in the country? And second of all, is Will Holder the best goal kicker in college rugby? The answer to question number one is yes, a resounding yes. I think BYU is is not just the best team in the country. I think that this BYU team is probably better than any team we've had the last three or four years, and that includes um, some of the great Cal teams. I just think that the talent that they have amassed at this point, that are this at this age, is so good, especially in their you know their halfback connection and all over. I mean, Ryan Roundy is one of the best I've seen since I've been paying attention to the game. Uh, I think that they're just really, really good all over the field. Um, and, and I think that they absolutely are the best team in the country. And I am, I'm not surprised by Utah keeping it close. It's obviously a rivalry game, but I think it kind of, uh, the way that they were able to compete in this game kind of solidifies to me that I think they are probably the second best team in the country. And, uh, I might get some argument from Bruce about St. Mary's or, um, potentially army or, or life. But I think that Utah um, if, if if not the second best team in the country, they're certainly number three or number four. And I think it's great that when we have rivalries like this, um, that it's actually a really, really close game. Um, and that Navy and, uh, and uh, Army were really, really close games too. Because Stanford and Cal was supposed to be a rivalry, and, and it was for a while, and Stanford's won some games. Um, but uh, these games like this, Army, Navy, and Utah, BYU, make it really exciting. I mean, I, I would have to say that BYU is is certainly the best college team in the country. I would also have to say that Pat made a very rich statement saying that it's the best team in three or four years. Uh, I, I think that you have to win the national championship first, uh, do it in style, and then and then um, and then that that can be discussed. Um, I just I I think it was premature to say that. Uh, that doesn't mean <laughs> that they're 
doesn't mean that they're not potentially an excellent side. There is no question about that. But it's very premature to say that. I think that, that Utah is a fantastic team. And, and, while, and, and while BYU did, did beat St. Mary's relatively handily, um, St. Mary's rel- beat Utah relatively handily as well. And I think under very similar circumstances for both. Uh, the, the, the elephant in the room is, is certainly life. I think that, you know, you, you're, you're talking about a team that if it continues to get better and can maintain their consistency, and then you would look at, at, um, at Arkansas state. And I think that, you know, BYU is going to have a relatively easy road to the final moving forward, or at least because they have a, they play a semifinal with the Western side, right? Yes. So they'll play Pacific two, who after today's um, upset could, could very well be UCLA. Could very well be. And then, and then they will go into a semifinal match where, you know, it's, it's Easter weekend. It's April 7th. They probably will not play a tough game for five or six weeks. And then they're going to get thrown into the fire again. Now, are they good enough to do that? Yes. It, are the other teams good enough to uh, to possibly give them trouble? I would have to say yes as well. I, I do think that this isn't like other years where it was only Cal and BYU and everybody else was was different. I think that this year that there are a few a few decent teams, and I and I do think that they're in with a puncher's chance. And you know BYU is definitely Sonny Liston. And 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 is the and is the great champion that that can't can't be knocked off, but uh, you know that Sonny Liston was an unbeatable champion at, at one point, and then and then some young young upstart with a big mouth um, smacked them. So you know we'll see what happens there, whether whether they're knocking out Floyd Patterson or whether they're going to be fighting Muhammad Ali. So, <laughs> um, uh, uh, all right. So, so B, uh, BYU is is the best team in the country, and that includes Cal. Cal is not in D one A. They're not in D one double A. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Cal is Cal made their Cal made their own bed. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And, and but, I think, but, and I but actually, if, if they I, were to play, if we if we were to just clear out a cornfield in Iowa and, and fly them in and have them play, uh, I w- I would bet on BYU nine times out of ten. Oh, that, that's okay to bet on them. I mean, but but Cal's beaten BYU probably nine. Yeah, times out of 10. yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm, not, just, I'm just I'm all I'm saying explain. now is that, you know, I mean, Cal made their own bed and 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 what happens in the future, I think that looking at what happened this weekend is makes for quite an, a compelling argument for the success of the college from the college division one. A. I mean, you, you really I mean, you saw an Army Navy game, a BYU Utah game and 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 then, uh, um, you know, Central Washington and. And 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 UCLA went upside down. I mean, wh- where else would you, would you say that UCLA beating Central Washington in 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 anything is an uh, other than other than probably chopping down trees is an upset? Um, so this is, I think that this is uh, it, it could be showing that there's some viability. I'm, I I never thought that there was any financial viability. So let's take that off the table. But as far as a as a competitive entity that provides uh, a decent quality of rugby, I, I think it's pretty good. 
Nah, know, come I, on. BYU you and know. Utah would play in any year, in any system, no matter what, even if there wasn't a championship of any kind in the same way. No, 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 no. I'm, t- I'm the saying. Only thing, the, only, the only thing that. That, pro- that helps prove that point at all is UCLA and Central Washington. You, you know what? You know, I, I'd like to I'd like to jump in there, I, I, Bruce. I want to I want to back you up here. Uh, last year, BYU was averaging just about a hundred points a game, and uh, topped ninety. I don't know how many times, five times. It is uh, with one or two notable exceptions. We have not seen those kinds of games again this year. Uh, uh, I, the 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 parity is still not there in the D1A, but playing some kind of premier competition is good for the top teams, but it's actually good for the bad teams too. And I, I think overall, the the bottom teams, the winless teams, are playing just a little bit better and are just a little bit more competitive. Uh, and I, th- I think that's good. I think that's good for the game overall because we're going to be dragging some potential – uh, you know, top club players and and all stars and and potential eagles out of teams that out of college teams that don't win games. Quick, I, I, see, I'm, I'm what was the score of life close. versus Oklahoma? Right, I said notable exceptions. No, no, no. I, I, and, the, and there's a huge. That, hey, look, right? I'm not, I'm not that, that might be worse than any score we had last year. That yes, would take that a is correct. It, it, it is, it is. But there's, you know, Oklahoma uh, made their own bet on that one. 137 to nothing. I know that one. But I'm I'm watching Wyoming not get completely throttled every week. I think that's a positive thing. I think that's a step forward for Wyoming. I'm not, I'm Colorado State same same deal. You know, uh, uh, UC Davis, Notre Dame even. So, um, you know, I I just see a little bit of positiveness uh, on on I'm that. I'm sorry, side. I, I was I wasn't really talking about the uh, the the real. Uh, lower tier of of the league i was yeah. i was more right. talking about the upper tier of the league and 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 talking about how life arkansas state um you know i navy is is in a very poor position to make the playoffs no this juncture they're out. they're out they're out of the playoffs so they're navy's out of, out of the playoffs and and they lost on a sideline conversion to army and so that's what that's more what i mean is that there there are some very good teams that are playing better and i think you know and who knows what what the story is with cal you know we'll see how how their season is is essentially over or ending next week um with a meaningless game against st mary's um so i like i said i i i do think that was in hindsight a big mistake for the university to do that. And, and, um, you know, and, and if they're playing for the CRC, then, then, then great. Uh, that, that couldn't have been a massive consideration, uh, sevens because they didn't really try hard to win the, the, uh, USA national championship in sevens. So I, you know, I, I wouldn't, um, well, I, I, I disagree. I don't think that, I think if you talk to, a lot of teams around the country, especially if you talk to any team that has won a national championship, um, I, you know, not somebody that's never hoisted that USA rugby title before. I, I, I think that you'd find a lot of people that would much rather win the CRC than the national championship. Oh, no, no. I'm not, Pat, I'm, I'm not saying that in terms of sevens. I'm, I'm well, you certainly kinda, not. What, what no, you said that's was, not what I'm saying. You didn't think it, sevens was that big of a consideration because they didn't try hard I didn't to win think it was that. No, I said I didn't think it was that big of a consideration for them getting out of the college premier division. And, you know, how it gets spun 
in the future is different, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't a big issue when we when we spoke about it in the interview that we had with Jack Clark on this show, and so I don't know that sevens was a big part of them saying, hey, yeah, we're not going to play in this again. I really, I think that they might have, I, I think that they might regret the decision that they're making right now. Next year, I'm sure it'll all be fixed and and they'll figure something out. But I think that, you know, the, the where the college premier division is going to be is that how are they going to deal with the Davenport and the Lindenwoods, where these teams that are quote unquote marketable teams that are, you know, one and six are, you know, sitting there acting like they have, they're bringing something to the table when in fact they're not. And, and, and they're, uh, and they're disparaging teams like Lindenwood, Life, Kutztown, Arkansas State, and, uh, and Davenport as being non-entities because they're not good schools. I mean, BYU is the best team in the country. Uh, they have far and away the, the, the most imposing forward pack in the country and a and and a, a halfback combination that works terrifically together, and two centers in Huseki Kofe and Paul Asike, who are just great, uh, uh, and and I think that they're on the inside track to win national championship, but they could be tripped up. I like life second, uh, but they need to win a national championship, as you said, Bruce, uh, with perhaps some style to to be thought of as you know the best team of recent times 2010 Cal team uh with uh Holly Scully Fry Asbin Rook uh Engelbrecht and I'm probably missing a couple of guys Dustin Munn uh was uh, a, a lights out amazing team Cal is not as good as they were Cal is not as good as BYU and Cal would struggle to be in the top three right now I think but at the same time it's hard to gauge because they're not playing meaningful games the 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 issue that's going on in in college rugby that that maybe we need to talk about is the 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 adoption of new collegiate uh, eligibility regulations they haven't been adopted officially yet they're still the lawyers are going over them right now but eligibility will start when you graduate high school not when you enter college so that's a big change right there um you will have five years to play rugby, but you can get a sixth, only one more year, and you get a sixth through uh, waivers, the traditional waivers that we're all familiar with, military service, religious mission, pregnancy. Uh, it's possible, I suppose, that we could see something along a hardship line also being a waiver allowed, but you only get the one extra year. So religious missions are two years. You'd only get the one year back. Um, you also, with the with the eligibility starting when you graduate high school rather than when you matriculate into college, what that means is uh, you get an overseas player. Let's call him Mornay from South Africa. Graduates from school there, and then he uh, decides to take uh, uh, some kind of post secondary school study, or he um, you know works for a couple of years or something like that, and then arrives in the United States to play. Uh, rugby can go to college. He's already used up two years. He can only play for four, uh, and he won't be able to get really much of a, uh, a a waiver on that. So that makes a difference. You also see that the um, the limit, uh, the, the way this is set up, it's a de facto age limit. Uh, you're not going to get um, those 26, 27, 28-year-olds playing college rugby anymore. I, I think it's exaggerated perhaps how many there are of those, but you're not going to get them with this kind of rule. So 
Does that make sense, guys? Is it fair? Is it right? Um, is it a good compromise? Uh, people who complain about the, the extension because of the religious mission only one year. Does that make sense? Well, I don't know. I don't necessarily know if it's fair or if it's unfair. Or what the, I mean, I think it's interesting, and I think that it's definitely going to affect BYU because you're looking at, gosh, how many seniors were were our results? Are you guys that went on Mormon mission that um, are currently playing for BYU? I mean, you wouldn't have potentially. Yeah, I can't, did, did Davies and Luba go on uh, Mormon no, mission? D- D- Davies and Luba, uh, Luba went. Uh... Were, have been with the team the whole time, five years uh, from – and to be clear, uh, I think they both were born in 1989. Okay. So they are not um, astoundingly old. By... So let's take like Viliami Vimahi, a guy who's not there this year but was there last year. What was he, right. 26 or 27 last year playing? I think that you take away one year of some of these kids, and I mean uh, Mikey Sua probably falls into that um, – so I think it's interesting. I think it's BYU is probably going to have to maybe shift the way that they operate if this stuff does, in fact, go into effect like it looks like it's going to. Um, so that, that's definitely interesting. And, and you know, BYU is not the only team doing it. We could just come up with a couple of uh, obvious um, or noteworthy named uh, names to go with there. I mean, Lindenwood has a kid now. He's a freshman out of Australia that was in the Brumbies Academy. He's in his uh, uh, mid-20s, who's uh, – a freshman, so under the current rules, would have five more years to play. Um, could be playing, uh, which means he still does because they're, they're, they're going right. to grandfather those in, right? Right, he'll be grandfathered in. So yeah, the the rules will still apply to him, whereas they wouldn't if he would have you know be a freshman next year. So it's definitely interesting. I think I do. Th- I think that it is a good way, a good thing in terms of the schools that can offer scholarships like Lindenwood. So let's say that you don't bring in Brendan Davis. Um, I think you, I think they brought him in at 25, but I could be incorrect there, but I know he's in his uh, early to mid-20s. You don't bring in – you don't spend a scholarship on Brendan Davis. You, you're spending it potentially on a, an American kid, a homegrown kid who played high school rugby who's got a, a lot of potential. I think that's good. The more scholarships that are going to those kids are obviously better than the, le- you know, in the less ones that are going to guys that are overseas. Um, yeah, I think that's probably you – know, I think that's generally a good thing. I don't want to pass judgment on this because I still got to kind of let it sink in and see how it may affect teams and – probably have some coaches tell me how it's a bad thing because I'm sure they're out there. There there will be those arguments before I tell you which side of the fence I come on. But it's definitely a huge thing that's going to change the way some of these uh, schools operate. And um, I I think it will be very interesting to follow the storyline over the next two, three, or four years as the guys that are grandfathered in age out and uh, you see those next batches of recruits and and see which teams are, are, are doing well under the new rules. Come on. Where is USA Rugby even getting off, even getting involved in this crap? Uh, I, I mean, it, to me, it's completely asinine. Somebody's in school; they're in school. They can play for the school, and that's the I way it say goes. This. I should, Bruce. Let me say this. Let me. This is this isn't this isn't unfounded, right? Um, there are other like NCAA tennis. There are other governing bodies in college, um, as I've been told from people on the on the the eligibility committee who have similar guidelines. Um, I, I believe tennis and hockey were the two that I was told ones where you get, do get a lot of overseas players have adopted similar eligibility guidelines. So it's not Great. completely unfounded. No, I, I know. Congratulations to them. Um, at the end of the day, what we're doing is we are dumbing down some teams so that other teams can compete. And we're making political favoritism for, certain types of teams that's what we're doing 
and you can call it whatever the hell you want to call it, that's what's happening. Now, whether or not you agree with it or like it or what, that's what's happening. You, you're basically saying we will weaken you because this is how you operate, and we will keep ourselves strong and not weaken ourselves. And the fact of the matter is it's unfair, it's immoral, it's stupid, and it doesn't do anything to help the game. Well, so, I mean, and bottom line is this, if you can't play with a guy who's 25 when you're 22, dude, you ain't that good anyway. There are rules that are going to be put out there that target certain programs, such as BYU and Utah, who, because of religious mission, have people on there who are older. And I think the issue is if they if they haven't already, and I, Bruce, I, I think you, you think this too, um, there are other things that people want to start uh, targeting, uh, moving on to other issues like restricting overseas players, playing college rugby. Um, this sort of has an unintended effect there. And you're right, they shouldn't be looking at that. Um, look at college hockey. I mean, if you limit Canadians playing American college hockey, you hurt college hockey. And you're going to see New Zealanders, South Africans, and people from the Pacific Islands playing rugby because that's their sport. That's the sport they want to play when they come to the United States to go to college. But there is a moral I, I, I guess I don't know if it's moral, but there is a there's a loyalty aspect to USA uh, to American rugby, not USA rugby, to American rugby. That if you run a college program, you should do your very best to try to develop American players. We can't legislate it. Legislating it has screwed us up so many times. We saw it in the clubs, they, right, the, the old um, uh, the Nasbota rule, right? Uh, when when Nasbota helped the Dallas Harlequins win a national championship, so immediately all the clubs got together and said, we're going to ban foreigners from playing club rugby in America because a foreigner came over and helped some team win. And then they just uh, – we struggled with that for uh, 20 years almost. Uh, we don't want to see that. What we want to see is something like Kruger van Billion at Davenport feeling that it is necessary to get young kids from the local area – to play on his team. Uh, Matt Huckabee, who's an American coach who depends on foreign players at Arkansas State, still feeling that it is necessary and important to get young American players from Texas, from Arkansas, from Hawaii, and, and talk them up and coach them and get them to be better and get them to be part of his program. He's got to feel that pressure. And the only best, the best pressure, guys, I think, is the pressure that comes from people like us and from fans and people who follow the game, I don't think the pressure comes from a rule that says and, – and, and we know there's no rule right now limiting foreign players on college uh, teams. But I just – you know, if we're going that direction, th- th- that having a rule limiting foreign players is a bad idea. I, I will say that – listen, that's – you're right. That's not what's happening, and you did preface it, but I want to emphasize it. But I also want to say that – this isn't just about getting people not to be 27 playing college rugby. It's also about simplifying the rules so they're easier to mandate. If you look at the eligibility rules and you look at – if you paid attention to the UC Irvine stories that we ran, it, you understand that a lot of the eligibility regulations are extremely hard to actually follow through on. By simplifying them, by giving the exact reasons why transfer and, and waiver requests, all those sorts of things can be uh, – uh, uh, Granted, and by making it easier and more black and white instead of all this gray area, you make it easier for teams to actually be on the same level playing field, whether, you know, where these kids are coming from or how old they are or not. But by tightening up the rules and making them simple, 
more simple, like five years from when you graduated high school, not having to look at a transcript. But for my alma mater, these guys went and played at the West semifinals the other day. They had a kid who took an AP class in high school who the West was trying to say, no, you can't play because you took your first college course eight years ago, even though it was in why was or seven years ago while I was in high school. Well, that's not really USA Rugby's regulations. But because of the complexity or maybe just the simpleness of the guy checking the list, uh, it was an issue. So if you simplify the, the, the rules, you make them a lot easier to follow and a lot easier for everybody to prevent these eligibility issues. And so I think that's the second part of it. It's not just about getting 27-year-old Mornay off of a college field. I, I will say one. The problem is it is essentially a classist and essentially a racist if you wait to go to college and you're like, if you have to work a year or two after college, you got to go do something, you're screwed. And, and I don't think that's right. Regardless of what I, I do personally think that most of, and I mean, I know Ron Leshesky and I know that he is definitely a massive supporter of Americans and playing American rugby. I do know that the foreign coaches, that are very dedicated to American rugby, to Salty Thompson's, Paul Barford's, and Jason Payne's, and, and, and those types of guys. They want to promote American rugby and American players. And, and I think that, these, that we're trying to make a rule for no apparent reason. While I get it, and, I, and they can say, hey, the foreigner thing, the, the real one that got to me was, Five years from the date of your college, gra- your high school graduation, like, why? A guy goes out and he gets a job or does whatever and decides he wants to go to college. He goes somewhere. He's not allowed to play rugby. Like, to, pl- uh, to play rugby. Most people aren't elite rugby players. 100,000 people play in America. 100,000 people play rugby in America. 15 guys are on the Eagles. There's 10 guys who were sevens guys. So, what, there's 30 of them total, maybe? I mean, come on. I mean, is that what we're sitting there worried about? Those 30 dudes? Over 100,000 guys? That, that's all I'm saying. And I'm just, I'm just saying, like, why the hell – when the hell did rugby start becoming this crazy-ass – I remember talking to the old blue guys and stuff a couple of years ago and talking about people playing division. I'm like, when the hell did all these teams start to fear playing, like, the A-side guy from old blue or the A-side guy from the AC, like – are you kidding me? It's been happening. When did this? Oh, I've been, I, it's been I'm, happening I've been, for about yeah, it's 10, been 15 happening years. For about six or seven or eight years, or whatever it has been. That's it's about sports. Happening. It ain't just rugby. It's but sports. I'm just, but you I'm should just, see the amount of red tape you have to go through I, to go play in a, in, a, in a youth soccer tournament from one state to the other. Pat, you have to have why, player cards, all these sorts of things. It's Pat, not just. But it Pat, infiltrates why everyone. Do we not do it? But why do we have to do it? Just because someone else is doing it and it's stupid doesn't mean we have to copy their stupid and, – and, and we're sitting there acting like we're American-centric. In American-centric, look at our damn budget and where all the money goes. Doesn't go to Americans. I mean, what the, I mean, what the hell planet are we on? And we have been bamboozled to the point of stupidity. Now I'm just saying. Okay, all right, all right. So, so I, I, I gotta jump. I gotta jump into this because yeah, jump. I, I, yeah, I'm, jump. I'm happy. I'm happy to blame. I'm happy to blame Kevin Roberts for a bunch of things, but this this is not a Kevin Roberts foreign persons issue. This is 
Yeah, let, let, let's say, let's stipulate, you know, to, so, somebody's going to hate this new rule. Most of these new rules come from somebody somewhere, some member of a constituency who is pissed off about something and, and like you said, wants to dumb down a competition, wants to make themselves more competitive by changing things around. That's why they mess around with the foreigner rules. That's why they mess around with the eligibility. That's why they yank the eligibility of Super League teams trying to play in D1 in the middle of the season. Uh, that's why they uh, – and, and in I USA Rugby – I mean as far as that goes, I personally think clubs should choose their league. That's where I differ with most of the – all right. Oh, okay. Okay. But, I don't think that there okay. should be a team but, like a team shouldn't be able to play in the college premier division and put another team in division one or division two, like that. That's that. Hey, bro, pick your division. You know, University of Nebraska mm -hmm. ain't putting their third team in the division three championship in football. U USA Rugby needs SIP dollars, right. okay. so they have to. If if eighty percent of America feels mad that twenty seven year old Mornay is playing, then USA Rugby that's the majority of their SIP dollar people that are upset. So they have to. Then go and try and pander to those people. So that's why it happens. That's but, why they make they all these, regula these regulations. They, they have no idea what percentage is upset about it. All they know is that two or three people, uh, are, are squeaky wheels, are complaining about it. And this is what happens all the time. I, I'm actually not that upset about this rule. I don't, I don't dislike it particularly intensely. But it's, it's one or two or three or four people who just get very upset about stuff. And that's what happened. Case in point. The, the the rule changes that were put in place for sevens that said if you play for a 15s team in, in the sp the fall and spring then that following summer uh you can't switch to a sevens team uh that's another club they 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 had rules about what what number of players you can bring into your sevens team from within your territory and what al you're allowed to bring from without your territory and that entire thing was started by people who were upset that Nova had brought in players from various different places to play and become really good sevens team. It's ridiculous, but it wasn't 80%. It wasn't – nobody did a survey. Nobody asked anybody. It was a bunch of people got upset in the mid-Atlantic territory, and they somehow affected change. Why did they affect change? Because they were loud, and they complained, and they came up with a plan. Somebody said, yeah, sure, fine, whatever. And it was it was a disaster, and it had to be changed. I mean, back. I mean, you go back, but you go back to that. You go back to even the Duck Brothers, and Sevens used to be great. America it used to be great because these guys can play for whoever the hell they wanted to. Now it's a circus. And the 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 debacle that happened with U19s and single school teams that were allowed to have players who were graduated, and single school teams that were allowed to have players who weren't even in their school playing for them. That was all uh, started by. A guy in Indiana who wanted that rule in there so that he could field his team and be happy about it's it. It's all where you draw the it's line. Just, it's, because just, we... it's, just, it's just one or two people. The, what goes on the, the, what's on the desk of USA Rugby is you can't just sit there and listen to one argument. You actually have to make a survey. You actually have to call around to some people, call around to some dispassionate people. I always would, would, would say that you got to be very careful about, about boxing yourself into a corner with as a coach, I don't make a lot of rules. Uh, the, the main rule is do the right thing. And I think that if you if you can have people have a rule, do the right thing, then then probably you won't have a whole lot of problems and, and put yourselves in the shoes of the other people. And 
you know, you got to put yourselves in the shoes of the Kutztowns and the Arkansas States and the BYUs and the Utahs for that matter. And, you know, put yourselves in their shoes and kind of see where you're at. And then, and cause they put themselves in your shoes too. And, and then, Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not, I'm also not canonizing them as, uh, as, as all, as all, um, holier than now because they're not either. So let's let, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. So, um, although some people would say, I, oh, I, we, we, we got we got to take a break but I I, I want to throw in something just just because I can um, you're a coach of a college team and you've got a couple of players in your team and they're both say entering their junior year and uh, uh, just imagine having to tell one of them you can't be on the team so why coach uh, because um, you you took uh, some some time off from school in between, uh, you know, graduating in New Zealand and coming here. And then you go to another kid and you say, you can't be on the team. You say, why coach? And you say, well, because you enlisted in the army after graduation. And, uh, yes, you do get an extra year, but you've run out of time. And, uh, I think that would be a pretty difficult conversation to have. Uh, we will be right back on Rugged Matrix America. Hi, this is Colton Cariaga of Life University and we will be competing in the USA 7s Collegiate Rugby Championship held at PPL Park in Philadelphia on June 2nd and 3rd. For tickets, go to usa7crc.com. Or if you want to support Life University, go to liferunningeagles.com. We hope to see you there. Hey, fans, go to rugbyimports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots. Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. We are back and we... Hello, Jero Sen here, Chief of the Rugger Matrix Network. Just a quick reminder about Strike.com.au, Australia's largest supplier of hands-free Bluetooth car kits, mobile phone cradles and reversing cameras you can check them out at strike.com.au and if you want to buy enter the code rugger matrix for 10 percent off back to alex and the lad you're talking about the super league and uh you know what what strikes me is that our last show had evan haig on from opg sound beach and and evan said we're looking at winning a super league championship and and i think my question was something in a very nice way of saying, really, are you serious? Uh, but that's that's the way they feel. That the uh, at in Seattle, they're looking at hopefully winning a uh, Super League championship. Well, there was this past weekend, there was one Super League game in there, and it was Old Puget Sound at San Francisco Golden Gate. And if you have been under a Super League rock for the last three years, you uh, may need some times in a row and won twice, but they did lose New York Athletic Club in 2010. Um, Probably the best team in the league based on, on that kind of record. And Hope Beach Sound wins 60-36. to 36. Um, some, some things to point out about the, the Puget Sound Beach team that, that went down there because I think it's, it's important. You know, the back line kind of is going to blow you away. Whoa, away. Whoa, whoa. Uh, Isi DeVito was there. You just went yeah, down that, there? Yeah. That happened in San Fran? Down there. In, in, in San Fran, right. yeah. Oh, that, 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 that's correct. That is laying down. 
Yeah, it is. And, uh, well, the, the, what happened was the week before, Isi DeVita, the fullback for OPG Sound, very exciting, very fast player, gets knocked out of the game, gets a late tackle, uh, breaks his collarbone. He's not available for the season. And uh, what happens is Puget Sound looks around and realizes that Mike Palafau is a player without a team. The Utah Warriors have, uh, have fallen apart, and he's not playing for anybody else. They get on the phone, and they get him in uh, to come cover. And, and Palafau started at fullback and uh, was, was terrific. That sort of thing is a great pickup, and good for them for getting, uh, getting that done. And then they also get Emosi Vicago in there at uh, at scrum half, a Fijian seven star. Miles Craigwell comes in. He's been playing a lot of sevens, but he hasn't played in fifteens and and actually looked very very good uh, coming in off the bench. Andrew Duratalo is on the team. Rasakila is out in the back, so Nick Hawkins goes on the subs bench. Um, Kellen Gordon, Central Washington player, coming in. They've got a lot of new talent. Some of them recruited. Some of them coming up through the college ranks. It's uh, pretty impressive. That's that's what happened. OPSB went out and added four monsters. Did um, and Golden Gate, if we're being honest with ourselves, is in a down year, right? I mean, they who they lose? They lost. You could rattle off all the guys they lost. They lose Samu Manoa. They lose. They're out. They're without Chris Biller, without Mille Pulu, without. They lost more than Old Puget Sound Beach just gained, and that's got to be one of the most productive week and a half of recruiting I've ever heard of. Adding those four guys, so I I, I but, really think it should be a shock. Know, I, they I, lost, I, but. I think. I think it's true, and you don't, don't forget they also have Philippe Butitu, who is uh, Davida's older brother, playing on the wing. They got William Rasalika, uh, another guy who can move. Really dangerous. So, so the the key for Puget Sound is win ball, and uh, their captain is Josh Osborne. He's a, he's a prop. He's a very good prop. Uh, uh, Oliver Kilifi is a young, up and coming prop, and and they also have a. Um, I don't know if he. I don't think he played, but. Uh, um, uh, uh, Vladi Manatsakanov, also a good young prop they have there. Uh, Aaron Fry, Kellen Gordon scored an intercept try. I think he scored two tries. He's a Central Washington pro- uh, product that they have, uh, can play front row, but uh, they have on the flank. They have some good, unselfish grafting kind of forwards. And I and with a with a back line that they have there, w- what percentage of possession do you need? 30%? You know, I'm 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 thinking they got more than that to score sixty points, but you really don't need that much. The the if if that win puts Puget Sound in the upper echelon in the West, though, the question, Bruce, for you, seems this is the team you're coaching, is is the same true of Nyack, or do we not know yet because Nyack and Life haven't played? Well, Nyack and Life haven't played, and and I don't know that. Any Nyack or Life team is capable of putting sixty on on Golden. I don't know that we're, you know, that I don't know that we would be in the same class as Puget Sound. And and I will say back, you know, and we haven't played them in a while. And back in 2010, when we had played them, I think I said 2008 before, but it was 2010, and um. I do, I do remember one of the things that Mike and I had spoken about. It's like it was almost like every single point we earned, and I think we scored seven, seven or eight tries, was we earned it. I mean, we plowed our way down the field and earned it. It was every single time they touched the ball, you felt like they could score. Like you legitimately felt like there was a serious chance that they could score a try, and. 
the only thing that really stopped them was errors, their own little errors. But it, it they when those guys, all, I mean, and then, and then there's more of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> those guys are so dangerous. It's it's almost unfathomable how dangerous they are. And I and I think that uh, you know I think that. Do you try to get yourself into a track meet? Do you hold them down? I mean, you don't know what the best way to play is. Um, is is it fair to say that a team like Nyack is not as athletic as as Puget Sound or or Golden Gate? I would say, or is that are they that, differently athletic? I would say that um, the the bottom end of our athleticism is probably more athletic than theirs. Um, although the, although they would be stronger than us physically, I, the top end of our athleticism is, is not in their class. I I think that also we can, we can bank on the performance of our players, meaning that we know what we're going to get. And that's also, that's the way we recruit. It's a way we select, you know, we tend to select on defense. We tend to select on, you know, their, their teamsmanship we tend to select on the way that they that that they'll grind the game out we we tend to select that way and so that's kind of how we play but we also know what we're getting like you don't see brilliance one week and disaster the next week you see a pretty good player one week and a pretty good player next week and a pretty good player next week and a pretty good player next like you don't see anything it's like and every once in a while, you make it. Wow, that guy's really good. And but that you know, nobody ever looks. Hey, I mean, over the last three or four years, um, you know, we've probably scored seven or eight times, ever seven or eight tries, eight or nine times, and and, and had seven different try scores. You know, it's just there's we don't really have any superstars on our team. The 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 thing that makes Puget Sound more dangerous now is that they do have superstars. Now there's five of them, <laughs> as opposed to you know we don't have any superstars, but like we do have a couple really good players, obviously in Petrie and Stanfield and Neil McMillan. But you know everybody else, Brian Doyle is playing fantastic. But you know I I've mentioned and you know, I can mention James Denise. I mentioned you know a flanker. Another flanker, two second rows, and our scrum half. Bottom line is, that's not where you're putting a ton of points on the board. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not mentioning everybody else. <laughs> Those guys, when you're mentioning the great players on Puget Sound, you're mentioning guys who put points on the board. I've been to every Super League final that Nyack has won, and every single time you see that you've seen those teams line up next to each other uh belmont shore twice and golden gate the other time and you you look from man to man and there'll be a couple of guys on on nyack who look a little faster or look a little stronger something like that but overall it almost looked like men were playing boys yeah i mean it, did, it really it, was, it was, said, it was they don't actually, have any chance was, you'd look at it and say i i don't think nyack has a chance and you won now you won three games all three of them really close but won them with fitness you won them with intelligence and and tactical intelligence you want it on defense and you want it with goal kicking and 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 a, and a little bit of luck i mean you know, i mean hey there was, there was a little bit of luck involved in in everything and and 
yeah, you would sit and say, and you would almost have to say every single time, how the hell did that happen? And we said it to us. There's a picture of Mike and I after the 2010 final running to hug each other that, I mean, we couldn't believe it. It was just one of those things like, how the hell did this happen? Okay, so look at uh, old Puget Sound in this situation. Uh, Evan Haig, head coach, he has to know now that the team has a target on their backs, but he also has to maintain this this level of play. You can't do it for just one game and say you're okay. You've got to keep that intensity, that consistency that you were talking about, Bruce. You've got to keep that going. You know what? It's, it's not going to happen because Evan's Australian, and Australians are pretty laid back, and the stars of the team are Fijians, and they're about as laid back as it gets. So I, I don't think that that's going to be an issue. And he got to just look at it and say that they have to be the favorite. Now, let's give them – they still have to play San Francisco again. Yes. And let's see you – know, because it's not like Puget Sound has been blowing the doors off everyone, although Pat did say that they they added quite a few people um, here and there over the last week. And, and that's – well, that's fantastic. Uh, they haven't blown the doors off everybody. And, and we'll see what happens over – over the course of the next few weeks, that absolutely blew the that blew the West wide open to my, in my mind. Because I'm not, I'm still not a buyer your... on Puget Sound being. I'm still not a buyer on Puget Sound being. Hey, they're, you know, they're the, the second coming of Christ. Uh, you know, let's 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 let them win a few games first. They've got to, they've got to win in Chicago and they've got to win in Denver. Yeah, and they got to and and they got to win at home against San Francisco, and 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 you know and. They they certainly may, very well very well may, but let's you know let's let's hold the horses and I think that the the life AC game is is going to be a good game and 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 I don't know how good either either team is I I would look at say the AC is you know we're a steady team we're a good team but I think that life is just a steady team who's a good team and the reality is I actually think. I, w- I was talking to some of our guys um, just this week about the the old blue team. We think old blue is really good, and we we can't even understand how the hell they tied Dallas. But Dallas also gave us fits for a half. You know, Dallas. I think we were up seven to three at halftime, or some something crazy like that. Before we, I think we won forty-one to seven or forty-one. No, we won forty-one to three or whatever the hell it was, or fifty to three or whatever it was. But it was only seven three at halftime. So and old blue, you know, they so those teams aren't that bad in Boston, you know, I I think that once Boston gets its legs under itself and kind of figure they, they had a, a very devastating injury in their fullback. And and against us they 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 moved their scrum half, Sean Tracy, who was an under-20 for America, to fly half. He hadn't played there before, and they put Justin Goon. And they kind of mixed themselves up against us, and and I think that put them into a really bad spot. And and I, I don't think they were – they didn't cope very well with it, and they got back, they got down pretty quick pretty early and um, pretty heavily pretty early. And then they went down to life and played life pretty tough. I think it was, it was 22-15 or something – or 2220 not you know probably 15 20 minutes to go and then the floodgates opened up on them yeah so you know these, I, these I just teams look, they're are... not that bad every basically is it, everybody's not that bad and nobody's really that good 
So I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to sit and say, like, you know, we're the second coming of Christ because we're certainly not. And and, uh, you know, I, I if I would have thought of the the top teams are, 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 are almost unquestionably uh, Golden Gate and um, and Puget Sound at this moment. And then I think that 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 life and and the New York Athletic Club are, are differently talented. I, I think that we can play with those teams. The difference is, while we could beat them, they could kill us. Differently talented. Yeah, I like that idea. I like that concept. Maybe we could talk about our high school rankings being differently accurate. I think we're getting a little bit of Lou Holtzness from Bruce McLean because uh, New York Athletic Club is a very good team. We do have sort of an east-west split, the... Uh, the Eastern style of rugby versus the Western style of rugby, but four really outstanding teams so far um, that I like. I like watching them play. Uh, but we are out of time right now. It's been a great discussion. We've uh, covered the gamut, it seems to me, and uh, we still have a lot to see how everything shakes out on uh, D1A college, D1AA college. We didn't talk about too much, even high school stuff. And, of course, developments that come through in the Super League and we'll all be here to talk about it. For Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton, this is Alex Goff thanking you for listening to Rugga Matrix America.